Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wolfpacker Show. My name is Ethan McDowell, and I am here with Noah Fleischman. We're back for another basketball update show, and um, it's about that time, Noah. So we're going to start switching gears a little bit, talking a little more football as we get into spring practice here. It is less than a week away. I know it snuck up on me, too. But um, so we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. We're going to talk a little bit of football. And we're also going to touch on, um, you know, the baseball and softball teams, which are both off to um, strong starts to the year. So it's going to be, you know, we're going to be all over the place today, folks. But um, it's exciting. You know, it's a fun stretch of the year. So let's dive right into it, Noah. But first, quick housekeeping note, we're both writers for thewolfpacker.com. That's NC State's site on the On3 network, the fastest growing college football and basketball um, NIL reporting, anything you could look for to do with college athletics, on three has it right now. It's only $1 right now to join the wolfpacker.com for all, access to all of our premium content, our message board, team analysis, recruiting news, all of that. Um, we were down in um, Atlanta this weekend, Myrtle Beach, talking to key recruits for NC State football. That's all up on the site. It's um, the best info right there, $1.00 doesn't get cheaper than that so go check it out on the wolfpacker.com all right noah let's start at the top with the most recent game of um of the past week uh nc state men's basketball they um slipped up against syracuse at home a um narrow narrow 87 83 loss that was back and forth a lot of offense in that game um syracuse drops 55 in the first half i believe it was and um, NC State, you know, valiant effort to come back into the game, but couldn't pull it out at the end. No, you were there covering it courtside. Um, let's hear it. Your take on um, another you know, disappointing home loss for the pack. 15-point hole after at halftime kind of tells the story of the entire game. You know, Syracuse scored 55 points in the first half alone, which, mm-hmm. you know, set NC State back. Um, and after that, it was really too much. To overcome, Syracuse ended up shooting 50% of the field. State didn't shoot bad, 46%, but when a team is able to drop 55 in the first half, tells a lot of story. You know, Kevin Keats wasn't pleased because then they turn around and hold Syracuse to 32 and, and get back in the game and, you know, had a chance to tie, you know, two seconds left and the shot, you know, missed and, and free throw makes it a little bit of a, a bigger gap. But a four-point loss, 87-83. And the biggest storyline, you know, out of that first half was Chris Bell for Syracuse. Eight threes. Yeah. Oof. He hit his first eight threes. He finished eight for ten from the from the three-point line. All eight threes were his only buckets in the night. They held him to zero points in the second half. Kevin Keats was asked, what was the difference? He said he showed them the scouting report. Uh, I mean, that's something I feel like that team should have locked in from the get-go. Um, but, yeah, he uh, yeah, he torched them. From the from the three point line and then uh, that was a big story. So fifteen points down. State's done well in coming back in games when they've been down five, six, seven at the half. But fifteen, that was just way too much. They still were able to come back, but they just kind of ran out of gas at the end. And you know, at one point in the first half, like I, we we've talked like every week. I feel like it's um, 
it's a different issue we're kind of focusing on because it's just there hasn't been a consistent rhythm for this team. Sometimes they lock down defensively and they look awesome on that end of the court. But this against Syracuse, that just wasn't the case. Some of that was just some elite shot making by the Orange, but some of that was, you know, helping off of Chris Bell when he's, you know, five threes deep into this run where, um, you know, that just can't happen. And at one point, Syracuse made 12 straight shots. Like, yes, they were on fire, but that's a product of um, some lackluster defense there as well, um, which, you know, folks addressed after the game. Um, we're obviously not the only ones who share that opinion. Um, but, you know, you're looking at it, and it's going to be an extremely difficult road to the bubble even, to, to even make it onto the bubble. It's a tough road to get there right now for the men's basketball team. And one thing I do admire about this squad, and this was reflected in the win over Clemson on Saturday, like they, they just don't give up. Like they're, they're scrapping. They were scrapping against Syracuse to battle their way back into the game. I think um, no matter what you want to say about um, Coach Keats and the job he has done this year is that his team plays extremely hard. And I think that is a compliment to the coaching. Um, if you want to find criticisms elsewhere, um, they're out there. But um, – I think it's great to see that the team is still, you know, showing up. Like they, they are putting in complete effort and playing extremely hard, extremely uh, tough basketball right now. All these games are, you know, within four points. Their last few, like it's like five straight within four points or something like that. Yeah, their last their last three losses have been five, two of them by four or four points, I believe, and one by three. So yeah, all within, you know, basically a two possession game, one, one and a half possessions. So, yeah, I mean, then you're in a spot where does the in-game, ex- does the end of game execution need to be better? Absolutely. Um, but they're in the games, they're competitive, they're fighting, they're not rolling over. They're going to be giving, you know, full effort down the stretch here. Um, no, that's pretty much all I had to say about the men's basketball team right now. But, um, you know, you're there talking to them after every game. Um, is there anything else that um, context for the home stretch of this season that's important for NC State fans as we um, progress towards the postseason? Yeah, it's a common theme is DJ Horn's playing really, really well basketball. You know, Absolutely. I think you can't you can't talk about basketball without talking about what he's done. He's averaging 27 and a half points in the last yeah. six games, two 30 point games. He's shooting the lights out of the ball. He's shooting over 50% in that stretch, too. I mean, the, the rim is, you know, a, a kiddie swimming pool right now for him. Anything he literally jacks up, it, it usually falls in. And, and the only thing that NC State really is concerned about, you know, offensively is finding somebody to, to run with him because yeah. he's scoring, you know, 27 and a half points a night in these last six games. But NC State hasn't been able to find anyone to be consistent next to him. In these last six games, they're three and three, and the three wins at least one of the guard has scored more than 10 points and the three losses NC state has not had a guard score more than 10 points. It's kind of the biggest story. The forwards have chipped in. Well, DJ Burns, Modiara and Ben Middlebrooks, but they need somebody on the perimeter to get going with him. And we've seen it in wins, you know, DJ or Jaden Taylor had 12 points at Clemson hit a big three late to, to, you know, cut the lead down to seven. But then, you know, last night he just had 10 points. Not a bad night, but it's still they kind of need somebody to get to that 12 to 15 points a game to really give them a good opportunity offensively, even though the defense, you know, if they had a better defensive first half, we're talking about a win for NC State. Yeah. We're talking a lot differently right now. And, and the last thing I had is NC State lost last night. They picked up another Q1 win. 
Wake Forest is into the top 30. So uh, NC State now has two quadrant one wins. Not that that means a whole lot right now when the Wolfpack basically needs to win as many games as possible the rest of the way. Yeah, you're looking at you probably have to win out the regular season and then win a f- couple games in, um, in uh, the ACC tournament in Greensboro or in D.C. Um, sorry, forced to have it there. But, um, yeah, so next up for the pack, you, you host Boston College on Saturday, 2 p.m. Um, D.C. is not very good, but they did take um, NC State to overtime when they were in Boston uh, earlier this year. And then, uh, and then you go on the road to Florida State. Uh, Florida State, you know, the same conference record as NC State, but they're 14 and 12 overall, eight and seven in the ACC right now. Um, so those are two very winnable games. Like, absolutely. Like, uh, those are games that NC State probably should win. But, um, and then you hit the road for um, UNC, host Duke, and you're at Pittsburgh to um, wrap up the year. That is not an easy stretch to the season. That's uh, games against three of the potential five NCAA tournament teams out of the ACC down the stretch there. So tough run in the season and, you know, quad one opportunities are there. We'll just have to see if NC state can take advantage of that and um, pull off a pick a couple big W's to go into the postseason with a bit of momentum here, but um, let's go ahead and switch gears. Let, let's talk about um, the women's basketball team right now. Um, you know, they're, you know, back to their winning ways. They're on a three-game winning streak right now. I'm ranked sixth in the country. Uh, it's the same ranking as last time we talked to y'all, but that's not because of anything they did. Um, or that's – they didn't rise because um, the rest of the teams in front of them won. But they took care of business. They went 2-0 over the last week um, with wins over Notre Dame on the road. One of the most impressive defensive performances I've um, I ever seen on a basketball court. They shut down – the best offense in the ACC. Um, and Notre Dame came into that game averaging 83 points per game. They scored 43. That is 40 points below the Fighting Irish's season average, which is just super impressive. Um, you know, they hit the timely shots they needed to. River Baldwin, I think, just continues to, um, you know, ascend back to the place she was before, um, before her ankle injury. And as she continues to ascend, I think so does the um, team ceiling. I, I, I think if, if you're getting a double-double per night, River Baldwin, then this is a Final Four team. I, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, if, if you're getting that production out of the post, it just helps out um, the guards. It helps out Mimi Collins. It, it just helps out everyone when River Baldwin is playing like she has been lately. Um, and then speaking of Mimi Collins, um, it's kind of a scary situation where um, it looked like she sustained a – knee injury against um against pittsburgh and then she missed one game and was back for the georgia tech game nc state ended up pulling that one out in overtime a very narrow one point win over the yellow jackets at home a team that over the past couple years has given nc state some trouble that that's an up-and-coming um georgia tech team right now um which is reflected in i i believe they're 15 and 3 and they're still kind of on the outside of the NCAA tournament picture. That's a testament to um, how how tough the ACC is. You have um, just about everyone in in the picture for a potential tournament bid. But uh, Noah, you were at that game. You saw the um, you know thrilling and one by Sanaya Rivers. Um, some elite shot making by Isaiah James. Uh, what what did you take away from um, that hard fought home win? Yeah, you know Georgia Tech at the beginning of the game couldn't miss anything, and then they 
started hitting some crazy shots at the end of the game, including in overtime. Um, you know, Kara Dunn, you know, had a career day for the Yellow Jackets. You know, she had seven to nine threes, including one in overtime from the logo, left-handed. Just a desperation shot at the end of the shot clock. She made it, made it a one-point game. Georgia Tech had a chance to, to win it late, um, but their shot ended up coming short and State survived. As you talk about Isaiah James, big layup, right? That puts my head um, before Georgia Tech went tied at the end of regulation. She said she immediately flashed back to Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech, she hits mm. the shot late. They go down and hit the game winner. She That's what she thought. She thought, well, it's, it's, you know, this isn't meant to be, and, and it is what it is. But they were able to hold on and pull out the win. Um, you know, a really impressive game. Madison Hayes continues to play really, really well. 15 points, 11 boards. I think she might be, you know, she doesn't get talked about too much. You know, she does a lot for this team. She might have been, you know, their best player on the floor, even with Isaiah James shooting scoring 30 points. I think Madison Hayes' impact is more than just, you know, scoring points. She can do that, but, you know, she also does a lot more with with grabbing 11 boards, including four offensive rebounds, you know, playing that that undersized, you know, you know, four three to four spot, depending on Mimi Collins on the court or not. Yeah, when Isaiah has one of those games where she just goes off and drops 30, like she is more than capable of doing it, it seems like at least a couple times a month. Then you see, like, the rest of the team is um, – you know, they're not taking away shots from the star guard here. They're more than happy to to feed the hot hand. And in you have Madison Hayes, you know, crashing the boards, picking up those 11 rebounds. Sanaya Rivers, it wasn't her best day scoring the ball, but um, she had five rebounds, five assists to lead the team. Like, you know, it's a team where we've talked about it before. Everyone just meshes so well with each other, um, both in terms of, you know, team chemistry on and off the court, but also just into their roles. It's It's a very, like, you know, it's like perfect, perfect pieces into a puzzle that they are very clearly a team that gets along, meshes well, and um, that shows up on the court. And um, it's, you know, fun team to watch and talk about a tale of two games, man. I mean, you have that like a blowout defensive performance where NC, NC State wins by 16 points and they didn't even score 60. And then you turn around and you have to score 86 in an overtime shootout win. That's what's fun about, um, you know, college basketball, man. Every game, so, so different, so fun. New challenges every game. And speaking of challenges, they've got a tough stretch coming up, man. Uh, so the, the next two games, both road contests. We, we start off with a road matchup against UNC. Um, you know, the Tar Heels, they've been struggling a little bit lately. They have not had the best run. They're currently um, 9-5 and five in the conference. So still in the top half of the league. They're going to make the tournament, obviously. But um, not quite as like a you know highly ranked um, opponent as the last time these two squads played. But, hey, uh, they gave NC State a battle in their first meeting, and I expect uh, it, it will be the same there th- this, this week as well. Um, that's an 8 p.m. tip-off, prime time Thursday night game. So that'll be an exciting one. And then they stay on the road, but they stay in the triangle because then the, ne- the next game is um, Sunday, 5.30 p.m. tip against Duke. A- another team where, holy crap, D- Duke, like, they, they just, like, don't lose at home right now. Th- they are um, on an elite run at home at the moment, and um, – it's going to be a challenging game. I, I you, you see, you know, they're unranked, but they're um, they're twelve and three at home this year. Like the, the, they're really, really, really good defensively. They're going to make things ugly. I think that'll 
look a lot more similar to the um, Notre Dame game. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But Noah, uh, you were at the most recent game. Um, we're both following it closely at this point. Just a um, big picture. How are you feeling about um, the Pac women's team right now? Yeah, I think you were feeling really good about where they stand. Um, we'll talk about where they stand nationally in a little bit. I'm sure you know some pundits actually align with us and think that they're playing you know better than you know those two losses to Virginia Tech. But it's a big week um, playing two in-state you know triangle schools. Westmore talked about how he kind of wished one of these was at home, but you know he played. They played both Carolina Duke at home first, so now they got to go back to back on the road this week. It's not a far drive for either one, but two hostile environments. You know, playing in, in North North Carolina first, and then going to Cameron Indoor to play Duke. So, I think this this will tell us a lot, right? We we've learned so much about this this women's basketball team already this season, but you know, a late season road swing like this, they'll come home and finish the season. Um, the last two games at Reynolds. So this, I think, might be their best, you know, showing of what to expect in Greensboro in a couple of weeks, just because they're going to be on the road, not with the Reynolds crowd, against two quality teams that want to beat NC State. I think every team in the league wants to beat NC State. Oh, yeah. They've got oh, a target yeah. on their back, you know, having two, you know, top 10 wins over, you know, UConn and Colorado. So this going to be interesting. But I think, you know, I think we should feel pretty good about what's happening, you know, just because North Carolina hasn't played too well as of late. Duke is tough to beat, but NC State, you know, took care of business when they were at Reynolds and blew them out 72 to 57. So should have confidence going into both games. We'll see what happens if when they go play in the, the big gym in Chapel Hill, but uh, we'll find out, you know, when they play the Tar Heels. I caught that. <laughs> but um, uh, let's, let's talk some bracketology. Uh, right now, um, we're mainly paying attention to ESPN.com and the Athletic Bracketology right now. They're, they're both keeping a um, bracket up and running. And um, right now, um, the Athletic still has them on the number one line. Uh, they would be uh, traveling to the Portland Regional, but of course they would host the first couple games at, um, in Raleigh. And um, it had them in a regional – or not a regional, but the first couple rounds, you'd be playing Albany in the first round and then either Michigan State or Ole Miss in the potential um, round of 32 matchup. So, you know, Ole Miss, um, pretty solid team. They, they went on a run last year and pulled off um, an upset. I believe they beat Stanford in the tournament last year. Um, it was a big team. They beat someone really good. So um, uh, th- they'd be an interesting matchup in there as well. And, of course, you know, it's – a one seed. So you would, um, it, it's actually interesting. I, if, since they're a one seed, Noah, I guess what they're traveling to Portland. Like, could we not get one of them in one of the Albany regionals for, um, for if, if they're a top seed? Like, man, all right. And that's Portland, yeah. Oregon, way, right? <laughs> no, yeah, it's not Portland, Maine. It's Portland, Oregon. Um, so that would be a quite the trip. And, um, if, if that, uh, if that mat- bracket materialized, they'd also match up with um, UConn potentially in the Sweet 16. It's it's better because, well, actually, then they could technically still see Oregon State in the Elite Eight and Portland, Oregon, which would just be, you know, <laughs> just poetic for how NC State gets treated. I was about to say they would avoid yeah. them, but I looked down. They're the three seed on the same side. So there's a chance they would see them if they made it that far and both teams, you know, went out. So, yeah, you, they got to play against UConn in, in Connecticut. A few years ago, now they could get to play against Oregon State in Oregon, you know, as That's the one seed. NC State stuff to the highest degree. But, um, 
Yeah, so that's one projection. And then ESPN.com has them on the number two seed, which uh, I guess this came out last week, but we haven't gotten to talk about it on the pod, is they the NCAA released their first top 16 seed list. And um, NC State checked in at, uh, um, at on the number two seed line as well um, at number six, I believe. And um, just a couple spots off of that top seeded line behind the only other number two seed they were trailing was Iowa. So, you know, then that, that release also had Colorado on the one seed line, which, you know, NC State blew out head to head early in the season. And then Colorado also lost over the weekend. So, you know, there, there's room. There's definitely room for NC State to move up that list. And ESPN, they kept them on the number um, two seed in the Portland Four Regional. Um, and they play Jackson State in the opening matchup, which would actually be like a, a pretty tough matchup for a 116 game. Like they played a really challenging non conference schedule that included um, losses to Texas, Kansas State, and Oregon State. I believe they kept it within 10 against Miami, too. So, you know, that'd be a, be a tough 16, 116 game. But um, it, it would also set up a potential matchup against the aforementioned Colorado Buffaloes in the Sweet 16. So whichever, you know, bracket projection you want to take right now, they're trying to set up for some um, uh, a rematch. So that'll be interesting to see. You know, in, NC State, yeah, that you talked about it, they have every opportunity to get a – to get a one seed. If, if you take care of business on the road, that's two huge wins on the road. And then you host Syracuse and Wake Forest to round out the year. Yeah. Um, and Syracuse may be like the most helpful game of any of those four. Oh, win. definitely. Yeah. No, they're, they're you know, really good right now. I mean, yeah. they've turned it around, you know, two years ago, weren't good at all. Now they're on the brink of what, hosting an NCAA tournament game because they're 17th in the country, you know, top 16 teams on the seed line get to host. That'd be something. So the orange, that'll be a fun one you know, in a couple of weeks when they come to Raleigh. Yeah. Next week. It's, it's sneaking up on us, man. We're like we're almost done with the season. It, 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 it's nuts. Greensboro. It's, it's right there. Um, and we'll preview it all extensively when we get there, but man, that ACC tournament is going to be electric and NC state will be right there as a, you know, number two, number three seed. They still have a shot at the number at, to win the regular season title, but they need some help with um, a couple of Virginia Tech losses. So we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. But, you know, all of the goals are right there in front of the pack. All right, that'll do it for our um, basketball portion. We're going to talk some Wolfpack football and some baseball and some softball to wrap up the show. But before we do that, I did want to say a quick thank you to Game Time. Um, Game Time is a ticket buying and selling marketplace. Whether you're looking for tickets to a concert, a Hurricanes game, um, you know, the next NC State basketball game. If you're trying to get ahead and go buy tickets to um, NC State's game, a football game against Tennessee and Bank of America, you can do that on the Game Time app. Go check it out. Anything you need, um, you're super easy to use ticket buying and selling marketplace. Um, right now, I'm looking at tickets to a um, Panthers at Hurricanes game um, in March. They have a special uh, a zone deal going right now. You can get um, a ticket for that game right now for $23. So that's pretty sweet. And my favorite part of it is, as I'm scrolling through the list here on the app, you can see the exact view from the seat you'd be sitting in. I'll hold it up for those watching on YouTube. You can see right there. If you were sitting um, in these $23 seats, you, you know, you'd be in the nosebleeds, but hey, hockey's fun to watch in the nosebleeds anyways. So 
if you go, you go check it out, go look at a ticket and use code WOLFPACK, that's all caps WOLFPACK, for $20 off your first purchase. So sweet extra deal um, as, you know, sweet deal for listening to this podcast. It's just use um, all caps WOLFPACK to get $20 off that first purchase on the GameTime app. Find it on any app store or at gametime.co on your web browser. That's not .com, that's .co. All right, Noah. Let's talk Wolfpack football. We were just just saying that uh, um, the ACC tournament snuck up on us. Shoot, talk about spring practice sneaking up on you. It seems like we covered the bowl game like a couple weeks ago, and we're back. It, it, it's time to start talking football again. And um, you ran a story today about underrated transfer portal additions on the website. Go check that out on the Wolfpacker.com. But um, – that's what I want to spend the day talking about. Let's talk about some transfers. And, you know, we're not necessarily going to talk about Grayson McCall as much or Noah Rogers, these superstars that, yes, they are going to come in and have instant impacts right away. We want to float a few names out there that maybe you're not hearing enough about that could play huge roles in the 2024 season. Noah, why don't you start us off? You wrote the story. Um, tell us who Wolfpack fans are sleeping on right now. Yeah, I'm going to pick the one transfer that did not come from the Power 5 level. I'm going to take Devin Marshall from Villanova, FCS guy, not even an FBS transfer, um, but he's a guy that I really, you know, I'm intrigued about. You know, coming in as a, he's a junior, he's got a couple years left of eligibility, just played two seasons at Villanova. But he he got so much better throughout the season this year, and, and it's kind of impressive to see what he was able to do. In his first five games, didn't go too well. He allowed 16 receptions on 172 yards and 30 targets. After that, he allowed 11 receptions for 94 yards on 27 targets. Was able to cut it down, um, and, and just played a lot better. Um, you know, there weren't that many games where he allowed more than one reception um, down the stretch um, in the FCS as Villanova made a, a playoff run. So he's got it's intriguing. He also doesn't let a lot of yards after the catch. Um, he had less than I got to find it. He had less than nine yards allowed after the catch in all but two games that he played this season. Wow. So, He's a guy that will make tackles right after the ball is caught. He doesn't let too many guys keep behind him and make big plays. So I'm intrigued by that, and he's going to be able to compete for a starting job. You know, with, with Cheyenne Battle gone, and, and there's a, there's a starting quarter open. There's a couple guys that are there to battle for it, and I think that that Marshall will be able to put himself right in the thick of it. You know, he finished this season. He has you know 11 passes defended this season, including two against UCF um, in his only you know FBS game that he played. So he's a good corner. He's able to get a nose for the ball and, and a really good tackler. So I think he fits, you know, a Tony Gibson defense really well. When yeah. the corners are by themselves, they got to make plays, and he's a guy that can make plays. Yeah, I totally I'm, – I'm with you on that. That yards after the catch stat is one that I think goes way underrated sometimes when talking about NC State's defense in particular because you put the corners on the island all the time, yeah, you're going to get beat sometimes. That happens. But – um. If you are able to limit the damage by, you know, if you're only beat by a step instead of two steps, and then you're able to make the tackle and, uh, you know, shut down the catch, that's hugely valuable. That's something you saw a lot out of. Um, I thought Shaheen Battle was really good at that. Um, if he would get beat, he'd usually be able to make the tackle and save a 12-yard gain from turning into a 30-yard gain, you know? Yeah. So that's a skill. That, that, that's a very um, important skill to have in Tony Gibson's defense. And um, you know, looking forward to how he does on that. Um, I'm gonna go the other side of the ball. Someone who is going to have to go up against Marshall in practice all the time. 
Um, Wesley Grimes. I don't think we're hearing enough about Wesley Grimes at this point. I, I think part of it is probably because he was the first transfer portal commitment of the cycle. So it's just been a while since he since he joined the class. But man, that's someone that you know, you talk to folks just around you know Raleigh who are people who were following his recruitment coming out of um, Millbrook. He was he was a absolute stud coming out of high school. On three had him as the number thirty six recruit in the country. Like that that's how highly rated he was. Um, you know like and he has proven ACC production, you know, like he has proven that he can go and make plays at the ACC level. His stats weren't that great last year, but um, also there was quarterback uncertainty there. Um, Wake Forest's offense was just honestly not very good. And, um, you know, Wesley Grimes right now, he's going to come in with all the attention on KC out of the slot, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to go make plays one-on-one. And he's really good at that. He's really good at going up and getting 50, 50 balls. Um, I just really like him as a player. I think he's going to be um, a starter on the outside for the pack this year. And uh, I think we'll, we'll hear buzz about him during spring practice with some of the plays he'll be making. All right. No, let, let's each do two. Let, let's give out two underrated players right now. So, so give me, give me one more to wrap up here. Who, who else do you think um, we, we should be paying a little more attention to? Offensive line doesn't get a whole lot of love. And, and they picked up Zeke Carell, a center you wrote a lot about yesterday. He's really good. And by really good, I mean, he didn't give up a sack last year at Notre Dame. You know, started 10 games for the Irish who perennially have one of the best offensive lines in the country. You know, they, you know, he's playing with NFL players, you know, next to him, Joel, and on the offensive line, he's going to be yeah. in the NFL draft, you know, top probably 10 pick, 15 pick this year. Um, he's really, really good. And, and I wrote about that because he's going to be an integral piece of this whole offense. We talk about Noah Rogers, you talk about Grayson McCall, you talk about Justin Jolly. Well, it's hard for them to get the ball if they don't have time to throw it. And, and he's a really, really good pass blocker. In his Notre Dame career, he allowed just three sacks on 1,019 pass block. <laughs> um, snaps in five seasons. So I think that's, um, that's pretty good. And he never had a season, never had a season with more than one sack allowed. Um, he had one sack between his, you know, second, third and fourth year there did not allow one last year. So I think, you know, he, he, he's improved. He's also played in big time games, you know, as yeah. a young guy, he played in the CFP semifinal against Alabama in the Rose bowl. He's played in the big games. I think he fits in pretty well. And making this whole offensive line match, right? Because everyone else is back. He's only going to be the only new piece, basically, on that offensive mm-hmm. line. I think he fits in pretty well. And he's going to be a big, big piece to this offense. That's kind of a you know, pretty much new look to the skill position players. But kind of need the ball to the center to get snapped. Or the center to have a, a good relationship with the quarterback. And the center that doesn't let uh, somebody run by him. And he doesn't do either of those uh, too bad. So. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. Um, last week we had the awesome opportunity to sit down with um, Garrett Tujic, NC State's offensive line coach, and ask about Zeke. And he just gushed about the center, man. He is so excited about what he's bringing to the program from his leadership. Right now, um, Coach Tujic told me that um, Zeke is going to like the freshman dorms, picking up the freshmen, making sure they're on campus on time for breakfast. Like he, he's just seamlessly fit into the void that Dylan McMahon left, right? Because Dylan McMahon in addition to just being a good center, was a vocal leader for this team, definitely for the offensive line room. So being able to um, certainly not luck, but um, identify and recruit a player 
into the exact same role that can seamlessly fill like that transition because they, they have some talented guys be- behind them. But Coach 2J said they, they needed an experienced guy to come in for this year. So Corral will come in with one year left. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to see just um, the stabilizing presence um, that he provides. And Noah, we saw him at the press conferences. He, he's a big dude. Like, if you told me he was a tackle, I'd believe you. He, he's a pretty, um, pr- pretty tall guy for a center. And um, so, yeah, he's going to be really good. I, I, I'm excited to see um, how much of a stable presence he brings to the offensive line unit. That should be much improved from last year as well, which is, you know, the continuity. All right, to wrap it up, I want to talk about the most recent transfer portal commitment, Donovan Kaufman, a safety from Auburn. And he's a good player, 125 career tackles, um, just you know, knack for turnovers. He had six forced fumbles over his career at, um, at Auburn and a couple picks in there too. So, you know, knows for the football, creates turnovers, makes plays. And what I like about him is over the past few years, one of the best things about NC State's defense is they've had versatile defensive backs who could play nickel, who could play either safety spot. You look at a, um, you know, um, Devin Boykin, you look at uh, Jakeen Harris, guys that were coming in and filling those versatile roles. That, that's what Kaufman is. Like he could come in and play either safety spot. He could play nickel. Um, I think he's, you know, an interesting candidate to start at nickel this season. So it, it I think adding him, just is such a needed veteran boost to that unit, especially when you lose um, Jakeen Harris and Devin Boykins coming off of an ACL injury. And, you know, it's not often that you get to add a potential starter this late in the transfer window. So very, very great addition by him as well. And um, as a little teaser, um, if you're a subscriber to the Wolfbacker.com, you already know this. Um, I, I don't think they're done in the transfer portal, Noah. So, um, folks, you know, yeah, go look at who's been visiting lately. We dropped a, um, a little scoop on him yesterday. So go check it out. I don't think NC State is, uh, is quite done adding some talented, experienced players out of the transfer portal. We'll see how that all materializes. All right, Noah, um, before we all we get out of here, um, let's talk baseball and softball. Um, you've been following both sports on the early stretch of their season, giving updates on both. Um, so, yeah, just take us out of here with some um, Diamond Sports updates. Yeah, I mean, baseball, you know, for the season against VCU, um, uh, my alma mater, they went 2-1. and one. VCU's a, a decent team. And, you know, State took the first one 6-1, dropped Saturday 6-9-6, and then won on Sunday 5-3. Saturday game, defense didn't play too hot behind – you know, in the, in, the, in the field, they had four errors and kind of told the story of that one. And then Sunday, Elliot Avent picked up win number 1,000 at wow. NC State um, in his 28th season here at the Wolfpack. So that was cool to see. And he was, you know, pretty emotional afterwards. They had a, a cool video that they had a bunch of former players, you know, put together and say what he meant to them. And Russell Wilson incorporated into it. Had a nice little go Wolfpack at the end. So some people think that he doesn't claim NC State, but – Think he, I think he claims the Wolfpack, too. So it was a cool video, and uh, baseball did what they needed to do um, in the opening weekend, get the series win to start off the year. Ryan Marone, freshman left-handed pitcher, looks the best of any pitcher on the on the bump for NC State. There's a reason why he was a draft pick this past season. Declined to go, came to NC State, and is playing pretty well. Wearing number 20 because he was drafted in the 20th round by Cleveland, even though he had told all the teams, I'm going to – 
college. Don't take me. I'm not going to sign. Cleveland took him just in case he decided to change his mind. He didn't. Well, he's at NC State. So they're playing well. And they've got a three-game road trip at Hawaii this weekend. And uh, Elliot even talked about it. They're already there. They're going to have some fun, too, while they're there. Some education. He basically looked at it as an educational trip. They're going to do some things like travel farthest west that some of these guys have ever been in their life. They're also going to Pearl Harbor to, to learn about that. He said it's one thing to learn about in school. It's another thing to actually go. So they're doing some educational stuff. They're obviously probably going to have fun, go to the beach, do some things in Hawaii, and enjoy Hawaii and what it has to offer. Uh, but Hawaii's a good baseball team. They just split a series with Ole Miss over the weekend, so they're pretty good. So baseball, we'll see what they do in Hawaii, but I think they'll enjoy themselves in the Pacific Ocean. The softball, on the other hand, coming off a rough season, new coach, they on a seven-game win streak. First time since 2021 they've won seven in a row. Ironically, they won eight in a row that year, beat LSU to get that eighth win. Lindsey Leftwich, the new coach, was the top assistant <laughs> at LSU. So kind of a little ironic note, but she's got them going the right direction and heading into another home weekend of softball starting on Friday, another tournament they're hosting. So we'll see what they can do. If they can continue winning, it'd be good to see if they can turn this around. They haven't had a winning ACC record in seven years. So we'll see if they can turn it around. Non-conference looks pretty good so far. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, if you couldn't tell by this episode, there's a lot going on right now around Wolfpack Athletics, and we've got it all covered. Um, We didn't even mention wrestling has a huge matchup against um, Virginia Tech coming up this week. We'll have um, a a big old preview on that published tomorrow. Um, And, yeah, that'll be a fun match too. So a lot going on. We're covering it all on the Wolfpacker.com. Again, it's only $1 to join. Go check it out. Um, and that's all from us today. Thank you all for watching, listening, and tuning in. We'll um, be back next week with, uh, by then, we'll have some spring practice observations for y'all, hopefully. Um, hopefully, we'll get to see a, a little bit of practice and um, share what's going on with the football team. So we'll, we'll talk to you all then. And um, yeah, have a good week, everyone. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.